Good morning. It's uh, great to be here again this morning, isn't it? What, a, what an awesome time of year when we can uh, remember the birth of our Saviour and uh, spend time in worship together. Let's just, let's just pray together this morning. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for this day. We thank you that we can come together and just spend time uh, in worship and, and in fellowship together. Lord, I just pray that you guide my words this morning, that uh, you control my mind and my heart as I, I share what you've put on my heart over these last couple of weeks. I just pray that you give each one of us, including myself, ears to hear what it is that you want to say to us this morning. And I just pray that, that we are ready to listen and ready to change the things in our lives that we need to change. Just give us the, uh, the strength and the confidence to do that in your name. Amen. Can I get my lovely assistant to hand out the handouts? Who's enjoyed the, uh, the last couple of weeks of the uh, people who drive me nuts or people who drive me crazy series that we're working on? Anyone? Um, when Neil first shared with me that he was looking at doing this series, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to be able to look at all those people that really annoy us and and all of that stuff, and I was uh, a bit challenged when everything that Neil was saying was actually talking about myself. Um, anyone else find that? You know, little things that we need to change in our lives. But it's been great um, to to look at the different things in our lives that we can change to make us better people, so that we don't drive others nuts, and we know how to drive how to deal with people who drive us nuts as well. Um, so over the next couple of weeks, um, I'm going to be sharing with you um, about resolving conflict. Um, I decided to split it into two weeks because the kids are in and I didn't think you could handle an hour and a half in one day. No, just kidding, I'm not going to go that long. Um, but I've, I've split it over two weeks. Um, And so we're looking at the skill of resolving conflict, the sort of conflict that we come into contact with every single day. You know, it's something that we all experience over our lives, conflict. We all experience it at one point or another, conflict at work, conflict with our spouse, conflict with kids, conflict with a boyfriend or girlfriend, conflict with our friends, even conflict in the community like Sue was sharing this morning about in Melbourne with the, the whole conflict of what do we call Christmas and how do we deal with that. You know, the world is a broken place and so there is conflict in it. You know, we see national conflict and political conflict and uh, economic conflict and relational conflicts. There is conflict in every area of our society. And so one of the most important skills that we can probably have is how to resolve conflict. And uh, to be honest with you, this morning as I was, or, or this last couple of weeks as I've been preparing this, I've been really challenged as I've reflected on how I personally have dealt with conflict that I've come up against in my life. Um, and it's been a fairly confronting couple of weeks. And I can tell you that uh, at times in my life, it hasn't been pretty. You know, resolving conflict is essential to our happiness. If we don't know how to resolve conflict, 
will end up walking around carrying conflict for the most of our lives and that leaves us miserable. You know, we can be wealthy, we can be attractive, we can be successful and talented, but if your relationships are not good, then you're going to be in a mess. If your relationships aren't good, you're going to be carrying conflict and you don't know how to deal with it. You don't know how to deal with that relative or that in-law, that friend, that work colleague or boss, that brother or sister. You're not going to know how to be happy. Unresolved conflict sucks the life right out of you. The success, the talent, the wealth, the good looks, they're all good things to have, but if your relationships are in a mess, then you're not going to be happy. So over the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at seven biblical steps on how to resolve conflict. And if you use these steps, you'll find that the stress in your life will go down and you'll find joy and fulfilment and life satisfaction. And these are steps that we all need to take note of including me, and we need to put them into practice. And uh, just please note that I'm not standing here today in front of you as some sort of conflict resolution guru. Um, This message is as much for me as it is for you. You know, we're all going to encounter conflict in our lives and we're going to need to put stuff into practice, this stuff that we're going to learn this morning. It is my prayer this morning that none of us are in conflict right now but we're all going to be in conflict one day. That's a given. So listen up to what God's going to say to us this morning. Let's just look at what God says to do to resolve conflict that we will inevitably come up against at some point in our lives. The thing that's great about the Bible is that it's honest. You know, God recognises that we're going to have conflict in our lives because the world is a broken place. And in Romans 12, 17 and 18, it says this, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. In other words, people will push your buttons. Don't push them back. People will attack you. Don't attack them back. And then it says, as much as possible, as far as it depends on you, live in peace with everyone. I'm so glad that God didn't leave out the last two, first two parts of that last bit and say, live in peace with everyone. He says, as much as possible, as far as it depends on you. What's God saying here? God is saying that there are some people that you just can't live at peace with. And um, personally, I don't really like to label people and put them into boxes, but just for this morning and next week, let's call those people crazy makers. Crazy makers are out there and we are going to encounter them. And we will find that no matter how hard we try, we can't live at peace with them. And really it's not our fault. No matter how hard we try to comfort and please and support, they're just like this big hole in the ground, like a well that just can't be filled up. Their emotional needs are so great that they just can't be pleased. And even God recognises this. And so there's some people that we just can't live at peace with. But none of us want conflict and we don't want war and we don't want arguments. But it happens. 
So God says as much as possible, but sometimes it's impossible. And note the sometimes, don't use it as an excuse. Be genuine about it. So as much as possible. God also says as far as it depends on you. You know, we can't control how someone else reacts, but we can control how we react. So as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Why does God want us to live at peace with everyone? Because unresolved conflict has three devastating reactions in our lives, three damaging results, and there's some spaces on your handouts there to fill in the blanks. So number one, unresolved conflict blocks my fellowship with God. When I'm out of whack with you, I can't be in harmony with God. When I'm distracted, when I'm in conflict with other people, I can't have a clear connection with God. You know, the Bible says this over and over in different ways and in 1 John 4.20 it says, the person who says, I love God and hates his neighbour is a liar. Ouch. That's pretty confronting. In fact, the Bible says you cannot love God and not love your neighbour as yourself. You cannot be in harmony with God and out of harmony with other people in your life. It's impossible. The Bible says love God with all your heart and love your neighbour as yourself. So that means that every time that I get into conflict with someone, my fellowship with God is blocked. I think right there that's reason enough to learn conflict management, don't you? You know, I don't want those crazy makers that I come up against in my life to keep me from having a relationship with God. So firstly, unresolved conflict blocks my fellowship with God. And then number two, unresolved conflict hinders my prayers. It prevents answered prayers. The Bible says that when we have conflict and when there's sin and when there's disharmony in our life, it blocks our prayers. It blocks your prayers and it blocks my prayers. In 1 Peter 3, it says this, Husbands, treat your wife with respect and deal with her with intelligence, with wisdom, with knowledge, with understanding. Be sympathetic with her. And then it goes on to say, The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. It says if you're going to do the wrong thing and you're not going to do the right thing, then you can forget about praying. Ouch. So when I'm in conflict with my wife and I'm out of whack with her, then God doesn't hear my prayers. That's exactly what the Bible says. So I can't have an argument in the car coming to church on a Sunday morning and then come inside and praise the Lord. God says that's a no-no. God says if you're out of whack with your wife or with your husband or, or with anyone, then you're out of whack with him. If you're in conflict with other people, then you're in conflict with God because God is love and that's his very nature. So unresolved conflict blocks fellowship with God. 
It blocks our prayers. And then the third devastating reaction to unresolved conflict is that it blocks our happiness. Now, we sort of touched on this earlier and, it, and it's, it's pretty easy to, to understand. If, you, if you're in conflict, you can't possibly be happy. When conflict comes in the front door, our happiness goes out the back door. So today we are looking at, or starting to look at, the seven biblical steps to resolving this conflict that we come up against. And the first one is the most important one of all, and that's why we're going to spend this week looking at it. And then next week we'll look at the six remaining steps. Okay, so write write this down, because you're going to need it. If you're a parent, teach it to your kids. It'll save us all a lot of heartache. So the first step in resolving conflict with a neighbour, a friend, a relative, a spouse, a boss, anyone, is to take the initiative. That's the starting point. We take the initiative. You don't wait for the other person to come to you, you go to them. You be a peacemaker. You be the instigator of reconciliation. You don't ignore the conflict You don't deny that the conflict exists. You don't push that conflict under the carpet. If you're married and there is conflict, don't pretend that it doesn't exist. Those of us who are married this week, let's have a serious think about the problems and maybe things that we're pretending don't exist in our relationships. And everyone can probably do that, actually, just to, to sit back and think about where, where there might be problems that need to be dealt with. You know, within marriages, are there money issues or trust issues? Are there problems with the in-laws, with family, with children? Are there issues of communicating, of setting the most important family values and standards? Are there conflicts with our work schedule and our life priorities? You know, what things are we pretending don't exist? The Bible tells us to take the initiative. We need to take the first step. You know, when Alison and I were first married, I I personally tried to avoid conflict at all costs. If there was a problem, I wouldn't talk about it and I'd just sweep it under the carpet and I'd bottle it up and pretend that there was nothing wrong. Mainly because... uh, I wasn't and probably aren't a good communicator. I still struggle to communicate what I'm feeling. And uh, I struggle to communicate things in a way that wouldn't be offensive or harmful. And so as a result, I would bottle things up and I would push things under the carpet and pretend everything was okay. And then, you know what, occasionally that bottle would get full And the rug would have so much stuff under it that it was more of a blanket covering a mess and then I would explode. A bit like that uh, anger grenade that Neil was sharing with us a couple of weeks ago. I would explode and things would just go everywhere. And at times I think Alison and probably others that were involved at the time wondered what had happened. And it certainly wasn't a helpful way of dealing with conflict. Have you heard the expression, time heals everything? If you think about it, that's a lie. Time heals absolutely nothing. 
If time heals everything, then we could just go to the doctor's surgery and sit in the waiting room and we'd be healed. In fact, we wouldn't even need to go to the doctor's surgery. We could just sit at home and wait. But time makes things worse. If you had an open wound on your arm and you don't deal with it, it goes nasty. Especially up here in the tropics, you can get all sorts of nasty things going on and it can become very unpleasant for yourself and others around you. And so we need to do something about it. If we leave it alone, it'll turn into gangrene and then we could lose our arm, we could even lose our life. So in reality, time heals nothing. Problems will get worse when we ignore them. What, start out, what starts out as anger will turn into resentment and what is resentment will turn into bitterness. You know, I'm sure we've all seen or met uh, old people in their 70s, 80s and 90s who have turned into bitter people because they haven't dealt with a conflict of something that happened 50 years ago. And so as a result, they've missed out on 50 years of happiness. How dumb. What a waste of life. You know, when Ali and I were, were early in our relationship, we both decided that, it would, that we would um, always try and resolve conflict as things came, came to light. Not when I bottled it up, of course, because Ali had no idea, but, you know, when there were things that we were both aware of, um, we always tried to resolve them. When we were dating, we, we tried to resolve them before either of us went home and when, when, we're, ma- when we're married, we, uh, we resolve it before we go to sleep. Ephesians 4.26 says, Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. The decision that Ali and I made to deal with issues then and there meant that when we encountered them, we had to take that initiative and we had to deal with it. And to be honest, at times I didn't take that initiative, as I shared earlier. But when we did... It wasn't easy and because we had decided we had to resolve the issues before we said goodnight or said goodbye, then it resulted in some very late mornings and some early mornings, oh sorry, late nights, late nights, early mornings, there we go and I can guarantee you that there's going to be more because conflict is something that we come up against all the time. But the result of, of making this decision to do this has strengthened our relationship and has avoided the time factor that takes that anger that I was talking about and turns it into resentment and then that resentment into bitterness. You know, surely that stuff can only be damaging to the relationships that we're in. And as I have reflected these last couple of weeks as I've been preparing this message, I can see the blessing in dealing with the issues as they arrived. So we need to take that initiative. The conflict is not going to resolve itself. We've got to be intentional and deal with it. And the only way to deal with it is to face it. And in order to face it, you're going to have to deal with three different things. You're going to have to deal with the fear of conflict. You're going to have to deal with how to set up a meeting with the person that you're in conflict with. And you're going to have to deal with what you're going to do in that meeting. 
You know, if you have a conflict with someone at work and then you go and you talk to everyone at work except for the problem that you've got, except for the person you've got a problem with, then that's going to be a problem. In order to face a conflict, the first thing we're going to have to do is deal with the fear of conflict. You know, people say, oh, I don't want to deal with conflict because I'm scared. Welcome to the human race. Nobody likes conflict. Nobody except for those crazy makers that we were talking about earlier. They like it. But no one really likes conflict and we all encounter it. So in some form or another, we're all afraid of it. You know, the fear of conflict is as old as Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve messed up in the garden. They blew it. Their relationship with with God was broken and then their relationship with each other became broken. It was different from what it was before. And they hid from God because they didn't want to face the reality of conflict. Adam in Genesis Genesis 3.10 says to God, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid. You know, I think when when he talks about being naked there, it could also be read as, I was exposed, I was vulnerable. God, you can see everything about me and I was afraid, so I hid. You know, the first thing that Adam and Eve did was that they covered up. Why? Because when there's conflict, you want to cover it up, a bit like me sweeping those problems under the rug. The fear of conflict is really the fear of being exposed the fear of our emotions, the fear of being vulnerable. When we have fear of dealing with emotions, then this fear creates three problems within the relationships that we have. And there's three Ds that you can fill out on your, on your handout. So the first problem that fear creates is that we become distant. We want to hide away, we want to withdraw We want to isolate and pull back from the world. When we're in conflict, we don't want to be near the person that we're in conflict with. And of course, being away from the person will ruin the relationship and it makes us distant. Okay, the second problem that this fear creates is that we become defensive. We start defending ourselves and at times we start attacking the other person as well. We make excuses and we cover up just like Adam and Eve did because we're naked and we're vulnerable and we're exposed. And then the third fear, it makes us demanding. It seems that in our sinful human nature we have to have the last word. How many times have you been in a conflict and uh, rattled off something in either a defensive or attacking mode at the other person that you're in conflict with and then quickly run out of the room, slam the door, you know? Sort of feels good at times, doesn't it? Like, ha, 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 I got the last word in. But it makes it worse, doesn't it? You know, eventually we have to go and confront the issue and resolve the conflict. Fear keeps us from connecting at the deepest level even with those that we love the most. You know, most people have never really experienced 
soul intimacy with another person. And I'm not talking about sexual intimacy here. I'm talking about something deeper than that. I'm talking about soul-to-soul intimacy. The reason why is fear. You know, in fact, we probably don't actually really fear conflict. We fear the emotions that come when we're in conflict. We fear rejection. We fear being misunderstood. We fear that what we say might be used against us at a later date because we don't want to be vulnerable. That's what we're really fearing. You know, we need to really share ourselves with each other, reveal our true selves, and that means that we have to share everything, including our weaknesses, and that's what we become afraid of, that the other person will use those weaknesses against us or that the other person might not like what they hear, what we tell them. And so at times it is actually easier and more comfortable to pretend and keep things a secret and to ignore the conflict that we might come up against. But we're called to take the initiative. That's the first thing that God requires us to do and that's what we're looking at today. Taking the initiative requires courage. Courage to overcome those fears that we've been talking about. So where do we find courage to take that first step, to take the initiative? Because courage is the thing that we need and only courageous people are able to resolve conflict. Cowards never resolve conflict. Where do we find that courage to face the problems? We get that courage from God. The Bible says in Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love and of self-discipline. That means if we let God fill us with his spirit, then we're no longer going to be filled with fear and timidity, but we're going to be filled with power and with love and with self-discipline. And that middle one, love, is the most important one of all because love overcomes fear. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. You know, I recently heard a quote that described fear like this. Fear is the notion that God's love ends. Fear is the notion that God's love ends. And we know that God's love never ends, so why are we fearful? When your love is greater than your fear, you'll do things that you're afraid to do. That's called courage. When you're filled with God's spirit and God's spirit is love, and when you're filled with that love for the person that is irritating you or that person that you're in conflict with, then you're going to have the courage to move ahead. So when we need courage, we need to be praying to God. God, I am scared. Fill me with your love. You know, there might be someone on your mind already today as we've been talking about this that you need to talk to, that you need to take that first step with to take the initiative. You need to say to God, God, fill me with your love. Give me the courage that comes from your love. You need to be praying about it. 
You know, prayer is really important in the whole process of resolving conflict. What I'm saying is that you need to talk to God before you talk to them. And then talk to them before you talk to everybody else. And even not talk to everyone else about it. So the first thing that we have to deal with is fear. Otherwise, we're never going to take that first, uh, the, take the initiative that we're talking about today. And then the second thing that we're going to have to deal with is the timing. Timing is everything. There's a space on your handout for that as well. You've got to make sure that that when you're dealing with the conflict, it's at the right time. And you might say, okay, well, I'll, I'll deal with it when they're ready and when they come to me and then I'll work through the process. Nope, wrong. The first step that we have to look at, which we're looking at today, is take the initiative. It's up to us to go to the person. But we need to be thinking of the other person and working out when is a good time for them as well as myself. You know, God expects us to take that first step and that's all part of being a peacemaker. Jesus talks about it in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 22 and 23. He teaches the principles of taking the initiative, the first key in conflict management. He says, if you're standing before the altar in the temple, you know, what's he talking about here? He's talking about being at worship. It's what we're doing right here, right now at Cornerstone this morning. He says, if you're standing before the altar in the temple, if you go to the church and you go to worship and you're giving an offering to God and suddenly you remember that someone has something against you, it might not even be your problem. It might be that they've got a problem with you, but you know about it. Either way, you've got to take the initiative. So you might remember that someone has something against you. It says you should leave your offering there beside the altar. Go at once. Circle at once. And be reconciled to that person. Then come and give your offering to God. God says that reconciliation, he says that resolving conflict takes priority over worship. And if we're really honest about it, then maybe some of us shouldn't be here this morning. You know, you like to come to worship, you like to come and sing, you like to come and hear God's word, you like to uh, learn the principles of life. You know, that's all good and well, but he says here that it's more important to resolve conflict before we come and worship. He says if you come to worship and you've got something out of whack with someone else, then you need to get that right first and then come back. Note that he also says to leave your offering at the altar. So we're still leaving something of ourselves, the gifts and things that God's given us. It might even be our monetary gifts. Leave them here, go and reconcile with people and then come back. You know, what's Jesus talking about here? He's saying don't ignore it. He's saying it doesn't matter if you're the one that's been offended or you're the one that's offended someone. You need to take the initiative. It's always our move. And when do we need to do it? It says at once, as soon as possible. Don't delay, don't postpone. 
He says it's more important than being at church. He says if you're at church, you need to get up and you need to leave. You need to leave worship. Leave your offering. Sort it out and come back. You know, some of you here this morning may have conflict that you've been avoiding or ignoring or putting off for weeks or for months or for years. You've got to plan a sit-down meeting with that person that you're in conflict with. This is called taking the initiative. You know, but how do we set up that meeting? And there's four things that we're going to finish off with today to, to look at how we set up a meeting with people that we're in conflict with. And so there's four things that we need to do. The first thing, and we've already talked about it a little bit this morning, is choosing that right time. Timing is everything. You know, when is the best time to, to get together and to resolve this conflict? When we're both at our best. That's when you do it. You know, you've got to be considerate of that other person and work out what's, what's the best time to do it. So you don't, you know, meet them on the side of the street and say, oh, by the way, you know, for those of us who are married, don't drop a bomb in bed. You know the ones I'm talking about where you lie down and then, and I do this too, it's not just pointing at Ali over there, but it's like, um, you know, honey, you know, we need to talk. And, and for me, it's usually within the first couple of words of Ali talking, I'm, you know, I'm asleep. And of course, then there's, then there's explosion and magic happens. So you need to choose the right time when you're both at your best. Yeah. You also need to find the right place. You know, you don't do it on the side of the street or in bed as you're lying down to go to sleep. You know, you figure out when a good, where's, where's a good place and a good time to do this, when we can both be relaxed, where it's quiet, where we won't be bothered by other people. You know, if you've got kids and they're, they're running around all over the place, then maybe that's not the best time to do it. You know, you need to be in a place where emotion can come out. So we need to choose the right place. So number one, we choose the right time. Number two, we choose the right place. Number three, pray. Very important. Pray, 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 pray. Over and over and over. Constantly. And you say, God, I'm scared, but I need to do this and I need to be filled with your love and I need you to help me do this right. And, you know, the problem might be something really simple and that's all good and it can probably be sorted out really quickly but there are other problems that we come up against and it might take more than one meeting to sort it out. But if we use these steps, we can overcome the conflict. And so you pray. You pray before the meeting, you pray during the meeting, you pray after the meeting. And then the fourth thing is that we come with a positive attitude. You know, when we come to the meeting to work on the problem, that's what we're there for. We're there to work on the problem. 
not to attack the other person, not to demean or demand or disable anything from them. You know, you're not coming just to disagree and be awkward and frustrating for the other person. You're coming to say, we're on the same team. Let's work this out. Let's try and make this work. Come to the meeting with a positive attitude. You know, we read earlier that that when we're out of fellowship with God, our prayers aren't heard. And so we need to deal with the issues. We need to take that initiative. We need to ask God for his courage. We need to have that courage to take that first step and to, to set up a meeting. To set up a meeting at the right time and the right place. We need to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and come with a positive attitude. So that's step one, taking the initiative. Six more next week. Let's just pray together. And as we bow our heads this morning, I want you to think of who you might need to have a conversation with, who you might be out of harmony with. You know, maybe you haven't talked about it, maybe you haven't even brought it up, but you haven't dealt with it. And maybe you both know about it, or maybe it's just you that knows about it. But think of those who you might need to resolve a conflict with. Then right now, say to God, God, I'm scared, I'm fearful, but I'm asking you to give me the courage to resolve this conflict. Because God, we don't need this conflict in our lives. Let's just pray. God, I just, I just thank you for this church family. I thank you that each person here this morning is, is here for a reason and not here for, by mistake. Lord, I just pray this week that you, you help us to identify areas of conflict in our lives that we need to deal with. Lord, conflict that we might not even recognise or might not even thought about until today. Lord, I just ask that you give us the courage and the strength to deal with these conflicts in a manner that glorifies you. And Lord, I just pray that you help us to live a life of a peacemaker, to be free from conflict as much as possible, as far as it depends on us so that we may experience your joy and your happiness and all that you have planned for us. Thank you, Jesus, for this morning. In your precious name. Amen.